Welcome everybody to episode 56 of SB Unfurled and Friends. A pre-Christmas episode, a pre-Festivus episode. We got a Festivus Eve game coming up here right before the Christmas break. It's Little Bon X here with SB Unfurled. The Bonnies missed out on a huge chance to get a big Q1 win on a neutral court in the birthplace of basketball. It was an exciting game. I was there. We had a lot of fun. Shout out to Smith's Billiards. They had some great pulled pork, too, before the game. A great pregame venue. One of the best I've been to before a Bonnie's game. So we picked a great spot, but unfortunately the Bonnie's weren't able to pull it out. So what did you think of the game? Yeah, it was it was a bummer because, you know, you came out and the clamps were absolutely on. Like our defense was playing as well as it has in, uh, you know, as long as I can remember. This, remember, is one of the best offenses in the entire country, Florida Atlantic. You know, their effective field goal percentage, their efficiency offensively, the numbers they were putting up. And we got into that with our, our boy JJ. Like they they scored. 91 against Butler, uh, 96 against AM, 84 against Virginia Tech, 83 against a good Liberty team, 90 against Charlotte, 89 against Illinois, 94 against FAU. We held them to 64 points. Like that was, uh, that's the second lowest point total they've had. Um, the first lowest was against Bryant when they scored 52, one of their losses. Defense was phenomenal. If we can play defense like that, um, and it's tough because like locking in and having that intensity uh, night in and night out is tough. We got what, 20, 19, 20, 20 more games um, in the regular season. So to, to expect them to lock in like that for 20 games, it's a tall order. But if we can do that consistently, uh, a lot of teams in the A-10 are going to struggle and we'll only need to have average shooting nights or even maybe a little bit below average to, to do – kind of what we think we can do in the A-10. Um, the problem was the offense, obviously, for anyone that watched it. And, uh, you know, like we came out, Asa was hitting early, which was awesome to see. Um, we, you know, shut down their big man, Golden, for the first half. Um, I thought we did a lot of things well, but, you know, you, you just expect FAU, a team like that, to eventually go on a run. They went on a, a run after we were up, I think, 10 or 11 um, they ended up going into halftime with a one point lead. And if you're FAU, like you love that you, you felt like you probably got, um, outplayed in the first half and you still have a lead. I didn't feel great going into halftime. Um, and then the second half, I thought the game was called completely differently both ways. Um, which was tough to see. Cause I loved how they let the boys play in the first half. That's something going in. I was like, I want to see Venning knocking into foul trouble. I don't want golden to, uh, you know, be, well, I wanted him to be hampered with foul trouble, but I wanted to see like, you know, the, the best players on the court playing against each other in the first half, hardly any fouls called, um, FAU was two of four from the line. We were zero of zero from the line. But then if you look at the second half, um, they shot. I think it was 19 free throws in the second half and we shot 11. So, you know, the, the game was called a lot differently. Um, loved what I saw from the defense, but the offense was, uh, you know, the, the turnovers especially really was the, the thing that if we are doing airing of grievances, that would be one of them. <laughs> we will be doing that pretty soon. So don't, don't worry. We'll hold on to that. But yeah, I think the biggest thing that kept us from winning was the turnovers in the second half, especially whether they were on fouls, like offensive fouls, or where they mm -hmm. were turnovers. I mean, 
Fenning had five. Micah Adams Woods and Daryl Banks each had three. That's pretty uncharacteristic for Adams Woods. Yeah. You know, even some of the other guys like Moses Flowers, Noel Brown, Barry Evans, Carroll Luke, they all had two. The only one who didn't have a turnover was Pride. And it was it was rough to see in the arena because it was it was not only just turnovers, it was turnovers in bad situations mm-hmm. on the court, whether it was being unable to inbound the ball or getting the ball, you know, stripped near the top of the key, or it was there was even a backcourt violation or two, I think, thrown mm-hmm. in there. It was rough to see in the second half, but unfortunately it took away from what I thought was the best 15, maybe 10-minute sequence of the season, which was mm-hmm. in the middle of that first half. Florida Atlantic is a very good team. I actually don't think they're better than Auburn, seeing both those teams live now. I think Auburn is more talented, but I can see how Florida Atlantic, with their cohesion on offense especially, I can see how they were able to make a big run last year, and I think they'll they'll be pretty good come March this year as well. But I, I think, you know, I think it was, you know, a great stretch for – us on offense it was great to see asa really hitting from the get-go he he had three threes i believe he hit all three of them in the first half and Mm -hmm. it was really like it was really looking good for us at one point being up 11 on the number 15 team in the country the last time we played a ranked team was yukon in 2021 yukon was also 15th that was down in newark and it was not even close to the same kind of performance out of us uh, in that game. Uh, Kyle Lofton was hurt in that game, of course, but it was mm-hmm. still Adama Snoga was also hurt for UConn. So it was still, it was yep. still, it was still a rough game for us though, compared to Florida Atlantic. I was very impressed with how they handled the first half. The second half, I feel like did get out of hand, of course, blowing the lead from, um, I believe the last time they let, they trailed or they, the last time we trailed led, was around like the eight minute mark or so. And then they, the Florida Atlantic just kind of took a control from there, but it didn't get too out of hand, fortunately. And, mm-hmm. you know, Moses flowers off the bench had a great game. He hit a, he hit a couple big shots even towards the end when it felt like it was, you know, completely over. And he gave us a little, little bit of hope there. I think there was even like a missed three pointer that would have made a game, a three point game with less than a minute left. And that could have easily have flipped our way. But I think overall it was a great experience for the guys to, um, you know, see what they can do against it's a Final Four team last year. But it's also a learning experience in how they can prevent um, just prevent losing some of these big games because there will, while this is going to be the best remaining game that we have, it's still not our only Q1 game. We'll be going to Dayton, you know, Duquesne, whoever else, St. Joe's could also be depending on how they how they work out you know it's it's still going to be there's still going to be some big opportunities for these guys to perform on the road and even in neutral sites when you get to a10 play and also akron as well so yeah i, I think this is you know going to be a good learning experience for the guys yes turnovers even in the first half nine to nine and then the second half we turned it over 12 times to their four in the second half they had 16 points off turnovers to our three um and i i Totally, totally co-sign exactly what you said. Um, 
because of the things that have hampered us turnover wise. And if you look, we are almost <laughs> we're in the bottom 10 in the country in non-steal turnovers. We talked about this all the time. Um, things like stepping on the, the out of bounds line, uh, you know, all those things that are steals. Yeah, but um, I was watching yeah, Marquette. Uh, Providence. Yeah. I'm, I'm recording this uh, Wednesday night. I was watching Tuesday night Marquette and Providence, and somebody did a Planutus. <laughs> yeah, we we do that every game, if not multiple times a game. But the thing we have done well is not getting the ball stolen from us. We're eighth in the country and not getting the ball stolen from us. We take good care of the ball um, and we don't have a lot of live ball turnovers. That didn't happen against Florida Atlantic. There was a, um, several turnovers that led to immediate points on the other end you know venning had four turnovers in the second half he got like triple teamed and they swarmed him and got it and went in for a layup i think it may have been luke who turned it over but even like non-turnovers like a big play in the game i think it was pride who made an awesome play on defense got the ball up to banks in a fast break misses pretty much a wide open layup they come down and get an easy two off of it that's just a huge four-point swing in that in that moment. Um, so just, yeah, a, a missed opportunity. And we, as a team in the Atlantic 10, you don't get many um, Q1 really good opportunities. I feel like after the Canisius loss, that took away all of our equity. That was, you know, we already have a very small margin for error. When you lose a home game to Canisius, your margin for error becomes zero. Um, so I felt like after that five game stretch where we were playing really well against bad competition, mind you, but we were dominating and our metrics got really pretty good, um, back close to where they were preseason. Um, so you say, okay, well, you know, if we do somehow get a win against Florida Atlantic on a neutral court and an obvious solid Q1 win, you know, that would probably make up um, for the Canisius loss and we would be right back to being in position to do the things that we wanted to do. But with all the limited opportunities, um, if you're talking uh, getting in to the tournament without winning the A-10 tournament, um, that kind of has gone by the wayside. So those hopes, uh, those hopes died on on Saturday and in the birthplace I, of basketball. I, so I kind of disagree. I, I think they're mostly dead. Don't get me wrong. But I will say the A-10's total strength is a lot higher than it was last year. I think if you look, you know, just at our schedule, we have, like I mentioned, the road game at Dayton. We have two games against VCU. They should be in the top 100. Two games against Duquesne, who should be in the top 100 unless, you know, as much as we can say that, because, you know, Duquesne is never for real, no matter what happens. But either way, Duquesne should be, you know, they should be at least, you know, a top 150 team. No, no, they should probably be top 100. Um, uh, St. Joe's is also, that's a home game, but they're going to be, you know, they're the best chance of an at-large bid out of the A-10 right now, other than Dayton. If they have their own Kinesis situation, they lost to Texas A&M Commerce. Not Texas A&M. Texas yes. A&M Commerce. Not even yep. Texas A&M Corpus Christi commerce yes they lost to the concept of buying and selling goods <laughs> so that but that's still four it was at one two three four games there you know richmond on the road will be tough akron is still a tough game that'll be hopefully a top 100 game when it's all said and done you know even you know our our uh, buddies at umass there they may be they may be top 100 at least for their road game so i i don't think it's gonna happen i but i think if the bonnies were to go 15 and 3 and then had the a10 finals or even semifinals loss it may be open 
it, it may be open. You see some some of the um, some of the bigger teams like Michigan State struggling, and I, I think you know the bubble tends to get weaker and weaker in the last uh, few years. I don't necessarily want to say it's completely over, but I don't think we need to be sweating all the uh, parameters too much until we go on a big run and maybe in February if we're looking back at like, you know, 16 and four or something (laughs) with like a few games left in the regular season, then maybe we have, uh, have some at large hopes, but yeah, I think you're mostly right, but I don't want to say it's over. Yeah. Um, I did see a stat, uh, the lowest amount of quad one wins a team has had that got an at large bid was one. Um, so 2019 Nevada, 2021 Syracuse, 2023 NC state, no one has ever gotten in, um, without a Q one win. And, you know, you did mention some teams. I think, I don't think Duquesne, um, maybe they'll end up being top 75. I don't, I don't necessarily think George Mason, we played them on the road. I don't know if they'll be, end up being top 75. Um, so if they're not, uh, you know, we play St. Joe's at home. I don't think they're going to get into the top 30. Like they're going to be, if no. we play them on the road, that would be a different story, but we don't, we only play Dayton on the road among those, those two teams that you mentioned who are right now looking like at large caliber teams. So we may by the season's end only have one more Q1 opportunity and that would be Dayton. So if we don't beat Dayton, um, I could see VCU would, sneaking in there though. I hope so. I hope so. And the thing about VCU, we play them early. They have some injuries. I think they'll really pick up some steam in you know late January, February, March. I could see them putting it together. Um, still, Joe, a long Joe way Gamma to go. Steel is going to be coming back for them too. That's going to be a big thing for them. They, they've been really yeah. excited to have him back. He's already back. I think he played against. Did yeah. he play against Temple or something? Yeah, he um, did. But but um, you know, if you're looking. Teams like Bonas don't get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to uh, tournament selection. So yes, if we end up going sixteen and two, fifteen and three at worst, which in a good A ten is tough to do, you're asking a team to do something that even you know Jalen Adams teams didn't do, that Andrew Nicholson teams didn't do, that the Iron Five never did. So you're put you're putting the bar very high. Is there a path? You could say technically, yes. Is it realistic? I'm not so sure. Um, but, I mean, if we can play defense like we did every night against FAU, um, teams are going to really, really struggle to to score the ball against us. And, you know, like I said, even poor shooting nights, we could still find a way to grind out some wins. Yeah, I'm looking through just our conference records over the course of 10, 20, 30 years we have not we've had four or more losses in every single a10 season ever so our best season mm-hmm. would probably have had to have been 2016 or 2018 both years we were 14 and four and yeah. then if you want to go all the way back we were 10 and four in our first year in the a10 back in 1983 with, <laughs> with jim <laughs> o'brien on the sidelines so yeah, yeah i think it's going to be hard and you know with how even the a10 is i think there are going to be potential you know, opportunities for us to have some poor performances against some underwhelming teams. That Richmond uh, doubleheader, so to speak, is going to be tough to start off the new year. And I I think, you know, I think January is going to be by and large the more important month for us in A-10 play. And so we'll have to see, you know, how that plays out. And, you know, I think the Florida Atlantic loss doesn't worry me about A-10 play. It worries me about, you know, if we can get into the tournament and what we can do. 
but I, th- I think we proved that we can handle our own against Florida Atlantic. And certainly we did a way better job than, than Loyola Chicago did against Florida Atlantic, which would be the only other comparison that I would have to, to anybody playing Florida Atlantic because yeah, there's no other mm-hmm. a 10 team that played them. So yeah. Th- yeah, that's, you know, I think Florida Atlantic is really good. I still think Auburn is more talented, but I do think, you know, Florida Atlantic is better than Dayton for sure. Easily. I don't think it's very close. I think if Dayton and I think if Dayton and FAU played a neutral site, it would look fairly similar to our game against them. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, and Florida Atlantic is, they are like kind of what I wish we could be like right now because they returned everyone <laughs> and we returned a lot of guys and they just are so cohesive offensively. They're so crisp. They're passing even like in the lane and, and their ball control. And they really ramped up the defense in the second half. They have shooters everywhere. I feel like we're like just a notch below them right now. And it's, it's frustrating because we have really good players at every position and past teams had weaknesses that 18 team and the 2016 team that we just mentioned that our um, 2016 got snubbed, but those are both at large caliber teams. They didn't have a very good big man. Like they didn't have a Chad Venning. If Chad Venning no. was on the 2018 team, like we probably wouldn't have been in a play in those other teams all had pretty glaring weaknesses. When you compare them to other at large teams, this team, like we got depth. We have guys who have returned, which other, you know, all of our, our top six guys return. We added two right now in my individual player metrics, two of the top three individual performers so far in the A-10, like a, a guy yeah. who can run the offense and, and lo- light it up. And a guy like Pride, who's just a Swiss army knife, who does everything. And then just awesome role players. And we, and we do have depth and cohesion. Um but yeah, I like it's frustrating because you could see it like right there for the taking, and um, those those two losses, more so Canisius, I guess. But um, you know, you, you feel like there is a little meat left on the bone so far, even though we have really played very very well the last like what three or four weeks. Yeah, I think it, it does really go back to that Canisius loss because otherwise we would have two losses against teams in the top twenty which would be probably, I don't know, that might be the best resume in the A-10 other than possibly Dayton. I think that would be a better resume than St. Joe's because St. Joe's does have that that loss to Commerce. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, Dayton's loss to Northwestern and Houston. So those are also really good teams. That would be, you know, that would Houston, be pretty similar yeah. to ours. Houston's the best team in the country, I think. So, <laughs> yeah. well, at least in Kempom, but yeah, they are. Yeah, they're 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 an insane. and in that and that, I think so. Oh, really? Okay, then. Yeah, believe so. Yeah. We will probably maybe record again before Akron. Maybe not. I'm not sure. But um, we'll try to get something quick in the holidays. People need a break from their relatives, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I got to listen to these guys talk about Mac versus uh, Bonaventure (laughs) basketball. We got to listen. Sometimes we got to. I got to hear what Lil Bon X has to say about Enrique Freeman. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) If we drop a stinker to Binghamton somehow, people will need a break from the Bonnies, um, and they probably won't be listening. If we lose to Binghamton, we're going to have to recreate, like, It's a Wonderful Life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Binghamton, (laughs) I mean, it's a game that, 
you know, you need you need an uns not you pretty much need like another unsportsmanlike net um a, a net boosting blowout again. Like we yeah. I want we need like it, it sucks that this is what the sport is now, but like hey, <laughs> winning by one isn't isn't doing much. You're gonna fall. We fell like ten spots. We played Florida Atlantic really well, like held them to 64 points i mean and we still fell like 10 spots i mean you know it's it's puzzling i will say binghamton is not you know they're obviously not that good but i will say they're a lot better than i was expecting at the beginning of the season just because i'm used to seeing binghamton literally being the worst team in the country like yes being absolute bottom binghamton is seven and four now they haven't beaten anybody of any real relevance. They beat Niagara on Tuesday night. They won seventy-four to sixty-nine in the Bing. And mm-hmm. other than that, you know, they've beaten Marist as their best win. Marist is looking pretty good in the in the MAC with two A's. Other than that, they beat in Loyola, Maryland. They they beat Keystone. Okay, <laughs> they they beat yep. Army, Stonehill, and Lemoyne. So, you know, the, but most of those wins are comfortable. So this team is, you know, they're not, of course, as good as just about any team in the A-10, but they do have some good defense, at least, um, you know, they block quite a few shots and they have some good two-point shooting defense. Uh, I haven't really gotten a chance to watch any of their games, mm-hmm. but they did do pretty well and controlled most of this game against Niagara the other night. Um, Tyreek Balowin is looks like one of their best players. He had 21 against the uh, Purple Chickens. Uh, Armand Harid, he had 18. Nehemiah Benson, 12. Samir Torrance had 11 for them. You know, they have some pieces. Harid actually had a double double. He had 11 rebounds too. So that's he's kind of um, going to be a good matchup to watch against Charles Pride. I think it, it looks like they play relatively a similar position. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to talk up Binghamton because it's the only game that we have before Christmas. And otherwise, why are we, why are we talking right now? But what do you think about um, just looking at this Binghamton team? Uh, I mean, it's a game you got to, again, win by 15 to 20 points. Um, and once again, you know, it'll be one of those home games around the holidays. Students are gone. And the two games, I, it was Bucknell. Um, and then it was the game right after that would have been Miami, Ohio. Right. So like Miami, Ohio, we played awesome, but Bucknell, when you, you were in there, that was Thanksgiving Eve. Um, RC is pretty dead. Like the the crowd, I don't know. There's probably 3000, maybe more people there, but it's, it, it was, uh, it was not the atmosphere you're used to in the Riley center and the guys had really nothing to feed off. And that Bucknell game was super stagnant. Um, so I, I guess, you know, you have a week to prepare for Binghamton. If you're Schmidt, I would hope to hell that we have, you know, we're, we're back to full health another week for pride to recover with that ankle sprain. Um, I, I'm not too worried about them. Uh, but you know, that's like Simer Torrance. I think you mentioned he's a pretty good player. Like he played at, I remember him playing at Syracuse and I think he played at Marquette. Um, you know, he's six, three, pretty physical. Uh, I think he's a fifth year. He's gotta be a fifth year senior now, if not six yeah. year. Um, but yeah, yeah he, he played two years at Marquette and two years at, uh, at Syracuse. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
you know, their uh, the six six junior Shenry. They use him a ton. Torrance and Hurry, like they have a a decent core of two or three guys. Um, but we've been pretty good at stopping like the knowns, which is what Schmidt Schmidt stresses. Um, so you know, and maybe not so much against Bucknell. They had Jack Forrest, I think, played a pretty good game. Um, but you know, it, it's a it's a game that you obviously have to have by double digits at home. Um, and then it's just one more game and then we're into a 10 play already. Like that's the, the season has gone by extremely quickly to think we're already a third of the way through the season is, is wild. I feel like I was just doing like in October, like answering questions about the the depth chart and the starting lineup <laughs> and what I thought, like it, it has flown by for sure. Um, I've been super busy with like Christmas stuff and work and, you know, with, with, Sunfurled and all that. I haven't really had hmm. much of a chance to look into the intricacies of Binghamton, so I apologize. I've been, I've been Christmas shopping, and I've been you're a fake the, fan. In the festive, fan. How dare you? Festive, you need to be analyzing festive. Binghamton. <laughs> yeah, and oh you yeah, know, you got to polish the Festivus Bowl too. That's true. <laughs> this game is on Festivus um, Eve, so after the Festivus Eve game, you get to go home and uh, start true. doing the feats of strength. Yeah, well, the Bills play Festivus Night. They are they are resurging as well. Uh, at, at night, I'll have my aluminum pole out, and <laughs> hopefully Frank Costanza can join me in watching the, the Bills dominate the Chargers. I <laughs> am sorry to everyone. I did not watch Binghamton, Niagara yet, but I will. I was honestly going to, but I – forgot and then i saw the score and i was like oh, i'm not gonna rewatch it no bother don't bother <laughs> this is one game though i would like to see barry evans take another step forward because he didn't have the biggest game against florida atlantic he you yeah. know didn't score he had four boards he had a couple impressive boards i thought like when competing against uh golden and uh you know Giancarlo rosado was a good player off the bench for um, florida atlantic down low but Barry Evans, you know, at 6'8", and he's, you know, one of our bigger players. Binghamton does have a little bit of a size advantage at the 3 and the 4. I know Tariq Bellowin is basically the same size as Venning and Brown, so this, that's about a, a push there. But Taimu Chenery and Nehemiah Benson, they're a little bit bigger than guys like Banks and Pride mm-hmm. and even Asa. They're, you know, some... Um, Nehemiah Benson's a little bigger than Asa. So I would like to see Barry Evans take another step forward and and really show out in this game because he's been having a pretty good season overall, but he didn't really get many opportunities to prove himself against against uh, Florida Atlantic. So what do you, what do you yeah. think Barry can do in this one? I like that, and I want to see Barry Evans. I actually tweeted about this last week. Someone asked about it. I put my lineups out and the top 10 used lineups. One lineup that has hardly been used at all, only for a three-minute stretch against Canisius, um, was and, and granted, Pride has been hurt for three or four games, but um, Micah Adams Woods at the one, Moses Flowers at the two, Pride at the three, Evans at the four, Venning at the five. I would love to see That's that. That's shocking. It's a, yeah, they they, they have. I thought that really should have been the starting together. lineup at some point. Um, <laughs> and off the look, me, I didn't look at the FAU lineup list yet but um you know that that's a lineup i would love to see i think barry evans and pride at the forward positions even if brown isn't i mean brown's brown's certainly more than capable of being with that that crew but um i agree like 
Longwood kind of had those big wings as well, those big strong wings like Christmas and I can't remember the other guy's name, but you know those guys were slashers. They're big, they're physical, long, athletic, played really good D. Um, and that's you know that that maybe is kind of what Binghamton would want to roll out. Binghamton certainly not as skilled or as good as Longwood, but you know the same kind of makeup it seems. Um, and Torrance at point is six three. You know we've had good games against really small point guards like against Niagara and Bucknell and some other ones. Torrance is a really good player. He's going to lead the team. Um, he, he's going to handle the ball a whole lot. Um, he's probably not going to make too many mistakes. And he's he's a big body as well, about the same size, if not a little bigger than Adams would. So you're right. They do have size um, all the way up to the five spot, you know, with the, the 6'10 uh, center that they have. So certainly bigger than I thought they were when I looked it up as well. That's something that stood out to me. Um, Evans is a guy, I agree, I want to see him um, use exactly how he was used in games like, uh, I think it was like Oklahoma State, and stuff like that, you know, really yeah. let him, he looks a little hesitant still when he's handling the ball in the open floor in transition. I feel like there are times where he could get a rebound and go, you know, just go and, and take it coast to coast, try to get some numbers, um, almost like a point forward in certain situations. I feel like he has that skill set, um, or at least he will very soon. You got to work on it in, in game. Um, but you know, it, it's usually a focal point, you know, when you get a rebound, get it to, especially for Schmidt teams, get it to the point guard, get them up and let them let's, let's set up the offense. But this team seems like it plays as well, or maybe even a little better, at least up until recently when we are letting them run and letting them play, um, a little more freely, but you know, that's, I, I'm, now thinking of Florida Atlantic, not the five games before, because our offense, when shots are falling, you know, it looks so much, so much better, you know, and I feel like Adams Woods has really gotten into the flow of the offense and kind of learned the system and the players. So um, I can see why, you know, you don't want Evans necessarily handling the ball right away off rebounds, but I kind of, I would like to see that a little bit more. Yeah, I think this matchup really suits um, Barry to really take a little bit of a step forward because of he, him not being able to play too much against Florida Atlantic and Siena. He didn't score in either game. He didn't even shoot from the field against Florida mm-hmm. Atlantic. And it's really been since the Niagara game when he had 10 rebounds and four points that he's had you know a pretty good performance. That's actually Florida Atlantic's the, the least he's played other than the Canisius game. He played only 11 minutes. But I, I would chalk that up to hopefully being because – Asa was playing pretty well and hitting from deep, especially in the first half. Yeah, I think and, he's, you know, oh, go ahead. And, and Pride, Pride being back, like when Pride was out, Evans kind of shifted down to the three and he could play the forward position with Asa. Now that Pride is back filling in that three spot for however many minutes um, he played, probably more than 25, right? That's right. less less opportunity on the wing for Evans and then he falls back kind of into the backup four role. Exactly. A new holiday was born. A Festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> and at the Festivus dinner, you gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. And is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. Requires no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. We were talking about it. Festivus Eve is this game. And while it's not a Festivus Day game, 
we should still do the area grievances. And I definitely wanted to get to some because I have some grievances already. I do have it. a lot of things that I already want to say, and you're all going to hear about them. So <laughs> you got your area grievances too? You know what grievances you, you want to already? I got not even halfway through yeah. the season. <laughs> I can think of a few, I think. I, I thought of a couple when you gave me this idea. I'm sure I'll think of more. Like as I was recording, talking, I already thought of a few more. So, yeah. All right. Do it. Well, I'm going off the board. Team we haven't faced yet. Duquesne. You know I don't like them. I got a lot of problems with Duquesne. I am sick of seeing them always being overrated in every single poll from every single uh, A10 talk, whoever these you know pundits mm. are. <laughs> Duquesne's solid this year. But they are not this runaway number two, even number three team this year. I have watched – more than I want to of Duquesne this year, unfortunately. They're not that impressive. Um, I obviously didn't watch a Monday night when they beat Bradley in LeBron James's high school gym because they, you know, they can't take a hint. They really want to just, you know, get on King James's side and he doesn't really <laughs> you know, give him much of, a, much of a care. Like, you would think USC would be playing them with Bronny Jr. there, but no. They barely beat Bradley in a game that was in a, in a neutral site high school gym that wasn't even televised. Bradley's like the sixth best team in the Missouri Valley. And that's their second best win of the year. The only other ones you can point to UC Irvine at home was a decent win. UC Irvine, while it doesn't sound that impressive, they should be the big West champion. Although they did, they did lose a going on a three game losing streak and they're going to be playing at New Mexico tonight, Wednesday night. So they may lose four or five, but UC Irvine is still pretty good. And the only other one that would be even worth considering is Charleston at a neutral site, but Charleston is not the same Charleston that we saw last year. Mm-hmm. So Duquesne, I got problems with them. That's my first grievance. Duquesne is overrated. I do not think they are going to go very far. I think they will, you know, be a seven-six seed in the A10. My first airing of grievance. I have a lot of problems with Duquesne. <laughs> Lot of problems with. Oh, Duquesne. great! <laughs> you, I mean, you already you already stole one of mine. You want to just talk about Keith Dambrot? You can. My, my my grievance playing in their big game in LeBron's high school again, again. <laughs> they did it during COVID, and there was like no stream for it. And I said, okay, well, it's co- it's during COVID. People are playing in empty arenas. Who gives a shit? You know, just go play wherever. It wouldn't matter if we played in like, well, I guess Ole and High or Butler Gym aren't the same length, but like it didn't really matter during COVID. They're still doing it and there's still no stream. Like people had to watch that game with someone like recording it on a grainy Johnny, phone, Johnny, the book blog on phone. Twitter. He was live streaming it for people. So I didn't watch it live. People but. like on Twitter, like. Dambrot will never let that lame gimmick die. And it, LeBron has no connection to Duquesne. Like, Dambrot coached LeBron, what, 20, 25 years ago or something like that? Pretty and much. they're still just doing this. Um, it was a crazy ending. No one knew what happened. There was like someone had a screenshot with like, arrows pointing toward what was going on. Someone was wheeling a trash can onto the court while Duquesne was <laughs> celebrating like a buzzer beater. And they were like, like the, I don't, it was, it was total chaos. No one knew what was going on. Some Twitter account posted like, this is mid-major basketball at its very best. 
absolutely not. This is at its worst. This is terrible. I don't want this. No one wants to watch it <laughs> on a phone, a phone being streamed. Um, it's, it's enough. It's enough of the, the St. Vincent, St. Mary's gimmick. Um, time to move on. So you got the brand new awesome arena and you're playing home games in a high school gym with no stream. Come on. That's my first. Grievance. Oh my God. Yeah. Just play a game at pit. If you want to, for all I care, like high schools definitely have the ability to stream games. And by the way, yeah, the Niagara why, and just do it every year. We, we both know the only reason why Keith Dambrot was coaching LeBron in high school. And that's because he had to leave central Michigan because yeah. uh, he didn't get a certain pass. And if you want to, um, you want you can go look that up on your own Keith Dambrot Central Michigan. If you guys yeah. aren't aware of why Keith Dambrot was not allowed to continue there, he uh, asked to say a certain word, and mm-hmm. yeah, you he did not get that pass. But let's yeah. move on to my second <laughs> grievance. This is not going to be Duquesne related. It is going to be Oklahoma State related, and Oklahoma State. I already know that they're part of that conspiracy with Oklahoma and Tulsa to keep us out of the 2016 tournament because we played Oklahoma State in the women's side in the tournament. And I was like, this is they're just trying to make it right. And this is all a big conspiracy. So that was a those were the Owen on days, I guess, with Oklahoma. But I will say Oklahoma State was supposed to be a pretty good win for us. They're still 96 in Kempom, but they are not very impressive. They got their brakes beaten off against Creighton at home. Creighton's really good, but yeah, that they should they should have hung tighter with that one. They lost to Southern Illinois on the road. They lost to a terrible Notre Dame team. Like, thank God we did not play that Notre Dame team because they lost by Notre Dame yeah. lost by twenty to yep. the Citadel earlier this week. Um, yep. The Abilene Christian lost beforehand. You know, because of the net and how it's rigged to help out the P fives. I'm sure Oklahoma State will lose most of their games in the conference in the Big Twelve. They're probably better than West Virginia, but that's it because the Big 12 is really, really good this year, as they are you know most years. But especially this year, they're they're even with Cincinnati joining the force. They're they're really good, Houston as well. They're yeah, Oklahoma State. They got to get it together. Hopefully, they mm-hmm. can beat Baylor at home on January 6th. You know, that's a that's a I'm sure that's a pretty big day for Baylor fans, and maybe they'll be busy celebrating a certain day on January 6th. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> my <laughs> next airing of grief. You I got to bring the problem. heat for Festivus. <laughs> yeah. My problem, nothing to do with basketball. Texas's, the Longhorns, backup quarterback, entered the transfer portal, and he's <laughs> not going to be with the team for their national title attempt in the college football playoff. This I missed is this, where, really? This is where we Ooh. are now. He left the team to enter the portal before the football playoff. Um, so it's not just like bolt. You would see this once in a while for bowl games or guys not wanting to get hurt. Um, it's not just bowl games now. National title opportunities are being abandoned. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Um, it was Malik Murphy. He's told yep. ESPN he's entering the transfer portal. He said he hates having to leave the team before the college football playoff, but is doing what's best for his career and future. Maybe just wants to get a jump at his next place of study and enroll for the winter semester. Maybe good plan. Another scholar eager to eager to soak up his new curriculum and football is taking a back seat. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, un- I mean, come on, this is where we are now. Um, it's not good. I don't like this could be a whole nother rant and grievance. Just the the purge that is going on now between, you know, 
NIL and the transfer portal and all that stuff. If you follow me, you know how I feel about it. I think players should be able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. I, I think that would be good, but that's really not what's happening. It's more like booster-oriented, um, and, and it's it's a lot of grease. I don't need to get into it right now, but like you know, I, I feel like all these rules are just totally going by the wayside um, and top teams, whether it's football or basketball are just going to be kids hired the way it's projecting. Like kids are just going to be hired to live on campus and play sports. Like no academics needed. Oh, like old college football teams, recruiting guys at the mill and in lumber yard to play fullback and quarterback, like have fun with that. I'll, I'll happily just, operate under whatever real college sports entity emerges. I mean, do you think these guys playing football at Texas and Bama, do you think they're taking the equivalent of Natty Lab? <laughs> like, really? Do you Natty think they're Lab. doing that <laughs> as it is? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Natty, college I mean, football, yeah. No. College football, NIL, and transfer portal are, are a, a bigger mess, I think, than basketball. I know we're a basketball mm-hmm. pod, but it's just, it's just ridiculous with – just because there are so many players who will transfer up to a bigger school and then completely ride the pine, maybe get 40K a year, and then that's the end of their career. And it's like, okay, you want to maximize your your financial worth for now, but you're not playing at all. Like, right. why are you going to be fourth string at Alabama? So right. it's, it's very hard to figure out how group of five teams and are, are trying to balance it out and even some of the lower P5s. Like, it's – yeah. Yeah, we could get into that if we were a college football pod, that's for sure. Bring back Bonas football, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah. If anybody wants to bring back Bonaventure football, if that's what they want Santa to put under the Christmas tree this year, yeah, we can. We cannot compete yeah. in the NIL game for college football. <laughs> I got. I might. I got, another... I got to play the Powerball, maybe, and I can. I can support that. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. One more grievance I got right here is Michael DeCourcy. He is a Sporting News College Hoops columnist. And he does bracketology for Fox Sports. He had an A10 team. He had two A10 teams actually in the tournament. Oh, so I saw thanks this. for that. That's not why. <laughs> that's not why it's my grievance. Do you want to tell the people who his third team was that was mentioned in bracketology? He had them as their his next four out. They were the seventh team out of his bracket. Do you want to tell the people who this was? I'll was give you a hint. The, it wasn't the Bonnies. The Capital City Hippos. <laughs> it was who I think should be the George Washington Hippos. Yes. He had yeah. George Washington as the essentially basically the third best team in the in the country or in the A10. And mm-hmm. yeah, he not only that, but George Washington is a bubble team. No. No, no, no. Odd, let's let's we don't play George Washington until the end. We don't play them until March 6th. So we we can we can go a little George Washington heavy for a second here. George Washington, here their resume does include a win over Hofstra, but it also includes <laughs> wow, a double Hofstra. overtime win. <laughs> Over Ohio, Ohio's all right. Ohio's okay, whatever. Average, but they yeah. needed overtime to beat Navy. I want to thank Navy for their service, but Navy is not good at basketball at all, and they got taken overtime. Uh, they they beat Coppin State, <laughs> Bowie State, Delaware. Uh, they got destroyed by South Carolina, who's a bubble team, a real bubble mm-hmm. team. And then yeah, Stonehill, William and Mary, New Hampshire. This is, yeah, this is, you know, I thought George Washington was picked, I think they were picked ninth in the A-10. I thought that was too low, so I hate, you know, you know, crapping all over the hippos, but they're mm-hmm. not, they're not a bubble team. They're they're no. not in any way a bubble team. <laughs> At least they beat Illinois, or they lost to Illinois-Chicago, never mind, sorry. I thought, because Loyola-Chicago also lost to Illinois-Chicago, so hey, 
maybe we got the wrong uh, Chicago team in the A10. <laughs> yeah, it seems like only two right now, Dayton and uh, St. Joe's, who's played really well. They actually almost beat Kentucky as well. They're, they've been playing really good. Um, yeah. And But yeah, other than that, like... No, the, like Duquesne, St. Bonaventure, I would say are probably next. But I would like I saw George Washington's logo. I was like, is that a mistake? Did he mean to put like Georgia Tech or like did he did he put the wrong logo on there? Did the graphic person mess Washington? up? I've done it before. I put logos in the wrong spot. Like who I'm. Yeah, I was I was puzzled because you yeah, have a placeholder heard... from like 2014. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I, I saw that. I didn't think of it for the grievance, but I totally agree with you on that one. Um, yeah. What would be my next one? Um, I have very simple ones like the stepping out of bounds and unforced turnovers that we've had. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a grievance of mine. Like, no, you guys, it's the most experienced team in the country. Court awareness. Come on. Let's let's not step out of bounds anymore. You mentioned another one earlier power rankings i'm sick of power rankings these are just like (laughs) these are just people who don't even watch the teams like uh, maybe mid-major madness catches like a a bona game here and there but i i see some of these and it's like bonas is eighth or ninth in the conference it's like come on you're putting like even gw or some of these other teams there's one really weird one that was above bonas and i was like really like these power rankings are made LaSalle, yeah. LaSalle was a bum <laughs> Um They just saw like a cool buzzer beater on Twitter and were like, wow, LaSalle's really good this year. Um, instant mute if I see a stupid power ranking, like the college basketball rankings. It's always just clickbait. You are the real big game boomer. The fake yeah. big game boomer, I feel like, made this stuff popular. It was just clickbait and wanting to get interactions. Power there rankings are, two are accounts stupid. There are basically – there, oh, yeah. sorry. There are two. There are two basketball accounts that are basically the f- equivalent for basketball of the my imposter, the fake big game boomer. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they they far they farm in this this clickbait crap, and it's just yeah. they do stuff like they put out a graphic of Kenny Payne from Louisville, the head coach there, after they've you know had an embarrassing stretch and just put loser on it, and it's like. Well, okay, Louisville sucks right now, of course, but it's but your account is just dedicated to getting the easiest clicks possible with the yeah. with the most like least common denominator bullshit out there, and you're putting calling somebody else a loser. Okay, right. this guy is a Division One basketball coach, even though they suck. Like at least, like I don't even like Louisville. I'm, I don't want to defend them, but it's like, come on, yeah. like get these accounts out of here. It's so stupid. I'm not mentioning too, because... my name because I don't want anybody to follow them. <laughs> Or you know have, who go, you are. have them go block them. But it's stupid because <laughs> we already have all these rankings. Like Ken Palm, and the, even though the net sucks, which is another one of my grievances, um, the net is, is awful, especially this early in the year. And we have Bartorvik and Ken Palm and like all these guys who are actual statisticians and they have algorithms that have been perfected over decades. Why do we need like this college kid like – putting ranking a 10 teams who doesn't even watch a 10 basketball. I'm sick of seeing power rankings on my timeline. Yeah, I am too. Unfortunately, 
in the new year, we'll start getting actual Atlantic 10 standings so we don't have to worry about even the net as much as long as we're, you know, not in the A10 or not in the at-large conversation at least yet. Hopefully we, you know, get in a big role and we can mm-hmm. get into that. So I think we both kind of wrapped it up with all of our feet or um, all of our airing of the grievances, the feats of strength. I got to stretch out for that and I got to go buy some more food for my uh, Festivus dinner. So I just want to thank you all once again for joining us here on SB Unfurled. And friends, be sure to have a merry, merry, merry Christmas. That's right. Merry Christmas. That's right. We are we are um we are not caught up in the war on Christmas. Is that still a thing? I don't You're think taking a stance. Baby Oh, you <laughs> should play baby really, really make people mad and play baby. It's cold outside on this episode. Uh oh. Oh no. No, I don't. No, we can't get canceled, right? <laughs> no, I don't know. Right, Christmas music, music is rough. Christmas music. I think I learned this week is royalty free. I don't know if that matters on podcast, but it is, and you can use it. Okay, a lot of Christmas songs. Maybe we've. I've definitely used not not royalty free music on here, and yeah, you know, I figured nobody tell. If you guys don't tell, I won't tell either. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you all again, once again, for joining us here, SB Umfurl and friends. Hopefully we do not get a Binghamton Festivus miracle for them. Hopefully we just, you know, can relax going into Christmas. I know the Bucknell game was not a good way to go into Thanksgiving. So let's let's have more of a let's more have more of a confident, comfortable win going into Christmas. Mm-hmm. So thank you again for joining us here. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at LilbonX for craziness at SB Unfurled. He's got a lot of good graphics out, especially those graphics about the lineups that the Bonnies have used the most. And be sure to also follow us on your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, all of them. You know them. I don't need to name them all. Enjoy your Festivus. Enjoy a Festivus Eve win for the Bonnies over Binghamton. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Yeah.